Welcome to the Run for God podcast, the 5K Challenge, a 12-week journey from the couch to the 5K finish line. Well, by now, you are getting close to running your first 5K race. Can you believe it? It's already week 11 of the Run for God uh, 5K Challenge. I'm Ted, also joined here by Mitchell Hollis, founder of Run for God, and uh, the Run for God ambassador, Dean Thompson. Our running information today is really a challenge, and here's what I mean by that. It's a challenge to keep going when this class is over with. Two more episodes of this podcast, two more weeks of training, and then you're going to be tempted to stop. We're going to talk more about that with Dean right after Mitchell shares this week's story. Mitchell, what is our story for the week? Well, well, Ted, today's story comes from uh, Joliet, Illinois, and the the title of the story is Running With God. You know, we're running for God, uh, but the story is titled Running With God, and it was was written by Laura Jarman. Well, that sounds appropriate, so give us us the ballpark here. Well, the story kind of unfolds it as, as it goes, but she begins talking about how she was out on a run, and she saw God in her surroundings as she was running. There was a storm coming, and, and she begins to talk about the vibrant colors that were revealed as the light barely showed through the dark, the gathering clouds. And she talks about the hawks in the sky as they soared and the wind that was coming in front of the gathering storm. And she saw God in the beautiful flowers that were inevitable at that time of the year when this story was written. It's a good thing you said Joliet, Illinois. You know it's not downtown Chicago, Illinois, for sure. (laughs) That is, she's painted already a beautiful picture as the storm's blowing in. I guess at that point you can imagine on the front of that storm the wind starting to pick up. Yeah, I mean, this is this is probably one of my favorite stories in the book because she really engages all your senses yeah. in, in describing this story. And, and she talks about that. She moves on to talk about how she felt God during that run. She just talked about how she saw God, but she also felt God during that run. She felt Him not only in the wind, but in the wetness of the raindrops. And as the temperature began to cool, she, she felt Him in the temperature change and it encouraged her to go further. Uh, she could feel God in the in the prairie grasses as they tickled her legs, and she could feel Him in the distant thunder that she heard rolling. You know, thunder. Uh, I'm in all of that a lot of times. A lot of people are scared of thunder, but to me, thunder is the is the the power of God just magnified, mm. and uh, it's loud. It's it's a loud sound. Does she go on to describe how she felt about that? Yeah, she didn't stop there. She her next progression talks about how she could hear God. Uh, throughout the run, she could hear the rustling leaves and the grass in it, and it reminded her that God is never far away. She talks about how she almost stopped running because of the impending weather, weather, but she heard God give her a special quote for the moment. Now, let me stop right there and say, you better have a, a, a real word from God if you're going to continue to run <laughs> in the weather like this. Uh, <laughs> but she kept running, and, and she felt God, and she was reminded of a verse that's, that's be not afraid. Um, I go before you always. Come and follow me. Um, she heard him in the croaking of the frogs, the chirping of the crickets, the locusts and the cows. She she even felt like she heard God laughing as he watched fawns playing in a field as she ran and the rabbits and the squirrels playing tag in front of her on the trail. And she kept running. She must be kind of like Dean. I heard Dean likes to run in the rain and things too. So <laughs> she heard God speaking to her through all of this. Did she mention that she talks back to God, and did he? Did she respond? He respond? She did. She talks about how she shared how she was feeling down and frustrated with life as of late. And, you know, this is something we can all relate to sure. here at different points in our life. And she confessed that she didn't feel strong enough or, or good enough at times. She even shared her fears of the future. She didn't understand how she was going to become the person 
that he wanted her to be. You know, this is something I feel like we all struggle with. We feel like we don't live up to God, yeah. uh, but that's the wrong way of looking at it. And she she poured out she poured everything out to him, and um, as we're called to do, she casted her cares on him. Then she mentions how she felt like she could hear footsteps around her, but when she looked and there was no one there, she <laughs> felt like she wanted to move out of somebody somebody else's way. She she just knew somebody was behind her. Uh, but again, she turned around and, and there was no one there. And she finished with the realization that she had ran with God that day. And that, I just think that's an awesome story. Yeah, that's super cool. And not only does he run with us, but he's with us all the time. She asked some pretty powerful questions at the end of her story. She asked, what are some storms that God has helped you run through? You know, and, and that's a great question, Ted, because it's it's often helpful to stop and realize that God has helped us through a lot of tough situations. Sure. Uh, we know that we're going to face other obstacles in life, and it's easier easier to face them when we know that He's going to be be there with us. You know, I every once in a while I have the opportunity to give my testimony at places, and and the title of my testimony is is hindsight's twenty twenty, and and I always talk about I, I look back on the storms of life. I've I've been through many storms in my life, um, and and I can always see God's hand when I look back. Um, you know, many times you can't you can't see God's hand in the midst of the storm. Sure, you think you're all alone. That's where the evil one wants you to be. He wants you to feel like you're isolated. But a lot of times, if you look back, you know, society says don't look back, and I say you must. You, you've got to look back to see that God is with you. The, you know, through all these storms in life. So I just think this is a, a great great story and great questions that she asked. You know, a lot of times to to kind of build onto that. You know, when we're in the middle of a situation, a storm or whatever, part of the learning experience, part of the stretching of our faith and growing of our faith is not knowing how he's going to get us out, but just trusting him that he is going to. She she also asked, where do you find Christ in your everyday life? You know, and that may even be um, more important for us to realize that he is with us all the time and, and he's there in our everyday situations. And then I, I read where she adds one of the great scriptures of Isaiah forty thirty one. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk or run and not faint. You know, that verse brings out so much, a beautiful picture of the majesty when we think about it in context of what we just talked about, how God is with us all the time, no matter what we're going through. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about how to make your 5K challenge journey a lifestyle and not just a 12-week class. Do you know the story of Mitchell? and how God called him to start this Run for God ministry that's now global? Well, if you don't, let me give you a little hint where you can find his story. You can actually not only hear him, but see him share his story on comeonletsgo.com. All right, so you've been at it now for about two and a half months. And you're wondering what's going to happen when the class ends and you go out there and get it done with all those people around you. And uh, the good news is, guess what? You can do it. The question is, why is it so difficult to do it, Dean? 
Well, it's not for misplaced intentions, that's for sure. Most people listening probably have been to a seminar or a class. I know I've been to a number of them where you go and you get so fired up. You're so excited about the things that you've learned and you're just ready to put them into practice. And then the time comes and um, you never take action. So people have been hanging out with us here through these last several, these well, at least 10 weeks here, week 11, and they, they understand they're fired up and they're ready to go and we're going to go out there and run. And then when it's done, like you said, they're going to stop. They're not going to continue that on. Why do you think that happens so much? Well, Ted, for starters, you know, we're creatures of habit. We do the things that we get used to, um, and our mind doesn't want to change direction. I mean, it's it, we're, we're in that flow, and, and getting out of that flow sometimes is hard. And why? Because it, it's uncomfortable. Sure. So um, we have to be very intentional about change. We have to plan to change. And then we have to put things in place to, to keep us on that that path of change if we don't do that um, then we don't follow through on our on our intentions and the change never takes place we need accountability and sometimes that's in the form of, no, of another person i know mitchell talks a lot about make sure somebody else knows where you're going so they can hold you accountable to help you get where you're going um, and, and and we need things to help us make us take action um, and then another problem is time my goodness, we are so packed with things to do. Our lives are crowded with so much that it's, it's hard to, to change because now I've got to make extra time to change when I already don't have enough time. So change takes extra time, at least up front. Sure. Um, you know, once you get used to it, a lot of times change saves us time in the long run, but it takes time up front. So um, we have to make that little extra time to make it work. And then maybe the, the biggest reason is that we just don't like getting out of our comfort zone. Uh, it's called a comfort zone for a reason. Uh, we just have to realize that that uncomfortable feeling is actually temporary. Um, I remember uh, an athlete one time that I was coaching who uh, was going to run the steeplechase. Well, explain we, steeplechase to us. Okay, the steeplechase is an event where you run over barriers. They're like hurdles, except these barriers are not movable. You can actually step up on them and push off of them because they're so – so you don't want to mess up jumping over steeple chase barriers, yeah. not like hitting a hurdle. Um, so I've got this girl who's never run it before. We have no steeple chase barriers at our facility for her to practice on, and now we're at the meet, and she's going to have to run this steeple chase like in an hour. And I take her over to the steeple chase barrier, and she would run up to it and stop, and then she would run up to it and then she'd stop, <laughs> and she had such a difficult time jumping over that barrier. Um, and that's kind of a picture of. Of where we are, yeah. that uncomfortable feeling of we we're going right up to it and then we're stopping because it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, what we need is we need something to kick us in the pants to get us going. And what happened was when the gun went off, she jumped over those barriers with no problem because she knew she had to. <laughs> so what do we do then? We come up to the obstacles and we finally are able to jump over them. What's next? Well, you have to want to change first of all uh, you have to understand that it's going to take effort and you have to be willing to take that extra effort you you can only rely on your own motivation i mean we can rely on somebody else occasionally to help motivate us but you have to be motivated on your own most of the time it's easier to do that if you face those facts up front if you expect there to be times when it's going to be hard yeah. and you plan for them and you make up your mind that when those hard times come you're going to overcome them uh, it makes it a lot easier now, isn't it also important, I think I've heard you say, too, to always keep the why right in front of you? Absolutely. You know, you go back to that first Run for God class, and you think about what motivated you then. Is that still what motivates you today? Right. And if not, 
is your motivation important enough to you uh, to make you do that hard thing when it when the time comes for you to, to do that hard thing? Um, what's going to happen when the weather gets really hot or really cold? Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, how will you tackle the obstacles that are sure to be placed in your path? Sure. Uh, you know, that steeplechase race I was talking about, I, I think about it this way. In the steeplechase, there's one barrier that they jump over, and on the other side of the barrier, there's water. Oh, my goodness. And it's about 18 inches deep right at the at the barrier, and they have to jump into the water. Can you imagine if that girl who was practicing that steeplechase, she was getting used to jumping over that barrier, and then she got to that barrier and didn't know there was going to be water on the other side? <laughs> And all of a sudden it was there. That would be pretty bad. Uh, we certainly wouldn't want that to happen. So what we need to do in life is learn where are those water jumps? What, what are those things that are potentially on the other side and be ready for them when they come? And if we're ready for them when they come, it's going to be a lot easier to jump over them. We have to, we just have to picture it and be willing to, to go through with whatever it is we have to do. Yeah, Dean, I think about, you know, most people don't want to think about the hurdles. They don't want to think about the obstacles or the barriers. They want to think that everything's going to be smooth. But I think there's a lot of wisdom in what Dean's saying. If you think about those obstacles, those barriers, those things that are going to happen, and you make the decision now how to handle those, you're much more likely to follow through with that than if you have to make the decision when you walk up to that barrier. Because a lot of times people will pull up and stop. I used to teach students all the time when I was a youth pastor that the temptations, you, we all know what our temptations are. And what happens if most of the time we get right up there on the edge of the temptation? Right. It's mm-hmm. so easy to fall over into the temptation. Whereas if we would just plan to stay way away from that temptation, then we wouldn't have to deal with that. Absolutely. What are some other things? I mean, people have gone through now 10 weeks and this 11th week for the run for God, and then the race is done. What are some other things we can use to motivate us? Because it's more than just a, a course or a, a run preparation course. It's a lifestyle. It is, and that's what we—that's our hope and our prayer that uh, that people make it a lifestyle. Do you know that in the United States that that we are the second most obese country on earth? We used to be number one. Uh, Mexico took that over from oh, us, okay. but uh, we're, we're still Mexico. we're still way up there. Um, and, and let me just read off these top ten leading causes of death: heart disease, cancer, chronic lower respiratory disease, stroke, accidents, Alzheimer's diabetes, flu and pneumonia, kidney disease, and suicide. You know, many of those are way more likely if we're obese. Uh, But notice this too. Nearly every one of those can be improved with a regular exercise program. And the health benefits of running, well, they're well documented. A good exercise program is actually, if you think about this, good health care, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I hear that, that term healthcare all the time, and I think we misuse the term. Uh, most of what we talk about is actually sick care when we're talking about healthcare. We talk about taking care of sick people, and that usually involves a trip to the doctor's yeah. office, and that's usually what we're talking about. And while I'm glad that we have those doctors for the times that we do get sick, running provides true health care. With running or any other exercise program, we're actually doing something to make ourselves more healthy and usually uh, less time in the doctor's office receiving sick care if we do that. So running is health care. Let me tell you, one of the great things to keep you motivated, to keep you going as you're running is good music like J Radio. Let's say you want worship music or you want more get up and get it type music. 
There's different playlists there for you. Check it out, jradio.com. You know, guys, I heard people say that your heart only has so many beats in it. Only God knows that. The implication is that your heart can beat just so many times, and then it's going to give out. Now, some, only half-joking, will say that they don't want to waste those beats by elevating their heart rate. To me, it kind of sounds like crazy talk. <laughs> well, uh, well, look at it this way. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some math here, if you don't mind. That's I know okay. It's better my... you than me. <laughs> look at, let's look at that a little bit closer. It, it's true that running will elevate your heart rate, so you are getting more beats in when you're running. But you know what else, do, what else it does? It lowers your resting heart rate. So if you do the math, let's say before you begin an exercise program that your average resting heart rate is 72. Okay. And if that's the case, your heart at that rate would beat about 103,000 times per day, a little over that. Okay, now let's say you begin running, and over a month or so, your resting heart rate drops to 65. And that's certainly a reasonable amount. Yeah, uh, yeah, that happens sure. all the time, uh, and sometimes more. Uh, okay, now let's say that, y- that you exercise or run an hour a day. During that run, your average heart rate is 140 beats per minute. Again, a reasonable estimate. So, yes, you do elevate your your heart rate nearly double during that time. But if you do the math, the total number of beats for that particular day would then be about 102,000 beats, more than 1,000 beats less than before running. So that silly argument doesn't even hold up, nor does any other argument. So why should somebody choose running over a different exercise? There's so many other exercises out there. Why running? That's a good question, Ted. And I completely understand that there are people out there who don't like running. And I've always said, I I love running, but I understand people who don't like running. Um, But you can learn to like it. And and any exercise really is tough. Sure. Um, One of the things I like about running is it's cheap and it's flexible. And people who know me know that that's important to me. The cheap part or the flexible part? Both. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All you need is a pair of running shoes. And if you're even on vacation, you can go for a run. You know, sometimes it's hard to find a a place to lift weights or do the exercises that you want to do if you're doing some other other, uh, type of exercise. So traveling for business, you can still run. it's, It's much more difficult to get to a gym. So if you need to get in a run during your lunch hour, it's doable. Is you're just really flexible. Gotcha. What else? Well, there's the challenge of a hard run or a race. Just that that fire in your legs that you feel, the ache in your lungs, the knowing that you're giving it all, and you've stretched yourself to the limit, and you've given. It, it just gives you great satisfaction to feel that because it is hard. the The feeling of euphoria makes all of that worth it, though. When the things don't go well, the the introspection as you search for the weakness in your body. Uh, or your mind makes you stronger than ever and more determined for next time. But didn't you say that running is not always so hard? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And when running uh, does get easy, the peace and the serenity of being at one with God's nature is an awesome experience. In the mornings, the stillness and the quiet can overwhelm you, while the evening runs can melt away the stress of that day. Running helps us to put things in perspective, and, and it helps to keep them there. You know, it seems like a lot to get out and actually like running. <laughs> it, it is. But you know what an even better benefit is? 
uh, big old huge calves like I have. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> but there's also the opportunity to use it to get closer to God. Good point. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. I've used that, and I guess that definitely can mean while running. <laughs> yep. And even as you feel that firmness of the asphalt, the concrete, or the dearth beneath your feet, uh, that may be the best reason, the number one reason why running as a lifestyle makes a lot of sense uh, over just a 12-week class. Yeah. So what's it going to be? Are you going to remember the reasons you started this journey back 11 weeks ago and make it a lifestyle going forward? You know, Ted, and if so, we'd like you to open your books to page 168 and read a statement there. But before we get to that, you know, I was I was listening to what Dean was saying, and I, I wrote down a statement here that I've used before uh, to some athletes we coach. And, and I wrote down the phrase, the pain of regret is always greater than the pain of the workout. Yeah. You know, the the uh, it's very disheartening to get 12 weeks down the road, maybe you didn't sign up to take this class or you decided not to do some kind of workout routine. And to be 12 weeks down the road and look back and say, man, I wish I would have done that. That's always a greater pain than the actual workouts that we're talking about here. So, yeah, open your book up to page 168 and read the statement there. You know, we have a form that you can sign to make a personal commitment to making this a lifestyle and not just 12 weeks. Uh, What does that statement say, Dean? It says, I want to make running for God a part of my life going forward. I know there will be barriers, and it will be tough to continue at times. I know I will miss scheduled runs due to circumstances beyond my control, but I am committed to getting back to running as soon as possible. Life happens, and I will not be perfect, but I will not give up. I acknowledge that giving up is part of Satan's plan, and I will not let him win. I am only interested in God's plan for my life, and I know that he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not of your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I am going to run to obtain the prize. So you heard the challenge. The question is, are you going to commit to it? Now, before we wrap up this week, Dean, you told us back in week one that you had only missed one day of running in the last seven years. And I know there are people that have lost sleep over this. (laughs) One day? Why one day? That's an interesting story, Ted. I, I uh, I I had the flu. And so you would think that having the flu, you would miss a day of, of running. And I didn't. Each day while I had the flu, I would go downstairs on my treadmill and I would run one mile. Now, it would take me 15 minutes to run that mile and it would take me 20 minutes to recover from it, but I ran that one mile. And so uh, I went through that whole week. Well, it got to Saturday and I got to feeling pretty good. So I went out for a normal run on Saturday. I felt great. On Sunday, I got out of my yard. I'm doing yard work. And then on Monday morning at 4 a.m., I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, oh my goodness. I didn't run yesterday. I forgot to run. Oh, my goodness gracious. How in the world did you do that? Well, I laid there and I thought, what can I do to fix this, right? <laughs> I thought, I've got to fix this. And realizing, going through several scenarios, I realized I couldn't fix it. So then I laid there and I thought, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? Sure. And so I have often thought over the years that sometimes I get a little too obsessed with running. 
And I think that maybe it, it, it is becoming a God in my life. And I thought that that was God's way of telling me that, look, if you can forget to run for a day, it's not all consuming in your life. And it really made me, it made me feel better to know. And now today, I think there are probably very few people who have only missed one day of running in the last seven and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of gets back to the, the very beginning of, of the whole Run for God story where, Mitchell, you were approached by a guy in church because you were loving running and competing, and he said, don't make that your God. Right. So mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so as we finish up here this week, what's our quote of the week? Well, the quote for this week comes from John F. Kennedy, and, and he made the statement at one time. He said, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger. So appropriate for this week. All right, what about our workout of the week? Well, you know, it's gotten pretty simple, Ted. And and for everybody listening, uh, you would have you would have probably had a stroke back in week one if I said <laughs> go out and have a thirty minute run. Um, but you know what? You're not having a stroke. You're you're about to hear me say go out and have a thirty minute run. Remember to get your five minute warm up and your five minute cool down. But today or this week, it's just a thirty minute jog three times a week. There you go. You can do it. I know you can. You've been practicing. You've been faithful to the workouts. And so get out there and get that 30 minutes. Next week is our last week. You think we're going to talk about race preparation things? Maybe. Come on back. We'll see you here for week 12 of our Run for God podcast. Don't forget all of the curriculum and T-shirts and apparel and anything you need for Run for God can be found at runforgod.com. You've been listening to the Run For God podcast. To find out more, visit runforgod.com.